You're listening to the Pops on Hops podcast, where we listen to some pops, drink a little hops, and I get to hang out with my pop. I'm Abigail Hummel. And I'm Barry Hummel, and we want to welcome you to episode 54 as we head into Memorial Day weekend. And I got to do nothing this week because (laughs) after the last debacle, uh uh-oh, where I screwed up the beer selection, I deferred everything to you today. So what on earth are we doing today? Oh boy, Dad, am I excited for the beer I chose today and the album, but mostly the beer. We are talking about the album The World from the Side of the Moon by Philip Phillips. This is an album from 2012. I told you a little bit about how I heard about it on the last episode when I assigned it to you. I will talk more about that. But first, I want to tell you about the beer I chose. I feel so helpless this week. I'm so so sorry. (laughs) You chose the clips and you're leading the discussion. All right, fair enough. So I chose four selections from Lupulin Brewing Company in Big Lake, Minnesota. Oh. Now, how did I choose these? Well, we are together in person today, recording once again in my living room, my favorite place to record. And I went to a local craft beer shop called Crafty Bastards. And I am going to go there every time. Oh, good. We have a canned beer need because this place is amazing. I was a little worried that I wasn't going to be able to find enough selections from the same brewery, but they have tons of stuff from multiple different breweries, much of which was very tempting. So I'm sure we will be back there to choose more beer in the future. I chose Lupulin Brewing Company, first of all, because their cans are really gorgeous and they stuck out to me on the shelf. And and their logo is kind of like a stylized geometric hop, but it because of the way it is, it kind of looks like a leaf because it looks like it has veins and stuff. And that is a major design element of most of their cans. And so I kept seeing this logo. And so I was keying in on, oh, this is the same brewery. This is again, the same brewery. So I, when I was cataloging my options, that one continually stood out. And when I show you the cans, I think you will have the same reaction. They are really beautiful. And they're doing some really interesting flavor combinations in beer. So I'm super excited to try all four of the selections that I have for us tonight. Now, I see you pulling out your phone. Are you looking at untapped? <laughs> no, I was pulling out to see if lupulin meant anything. So lupulin is like a flavorful resiny substance on hops. Basically, it gives it that hoppy flavor. Is that resinous substance on the outside of the hop. Oh, the reason I asked about Untapped is because you have had beers from this brewery before. You have not had any of the beers we, well, should I say you haven't logged any of the beers we're going to have tonight, although you have had a variation of one of them. Oh, wow. So the first beer we're going to sample tonight is called Sticky Puddles (laughs) Pineapple Upside Down Cake. Oh, my God. Now, you have had a Sticky Puddles in the past, but not this one. All right, so let me read this off the can. It says, watch your step. Sticky puddles ahead. This pineapple upside down cake inspired heavily fruited imperial sour was crammed full of absurd amounts of pineapple, cherry, and salted caramel flavor. Oh my. ABV, 9%. That's a good start. (laughs) Well, at least the good news is we're sharing a tall boy tonight. That's always good news. You want to crack that bad boy open? By the way, the lupulin thing threw me off for a second because the album has moon in the title. And you said lupulin and I was like, is there a moon reference? What was the character's name in Harry Potter? The, the um, werewolf. Uh, Lupin. Ramus Lupin. Lupin. Yeah. Is that the derivative of moon? Lupin? I don't think it is, right? No, I think Lupin is derivative of wolf, right? Lupine? Oh, yes. Right? Okay. 
Yeah, L- Lunar, Luna would be. Yeah, Lu- yeah, yeah. Who yeah. also in Harry Potter? Correct. Okay, so not a reference to the moon. No, I did sort of think about how the sound. If I were to think of a fictional reason for why I chose this brewery, it would have been that I did think about that. But I decided, why lie to our listeners? <laughs> Let's just go to the real story, which is. I was distracted by the pretty things. It's a beautiful can. It is. And I would like to point out, it's also upside down. See how the drops are going upward? Oh. The other sticky puddles have the drops going the other way. And their logo's upside down, too. So I thought that was kind of clever. All right, let me crack this. Crack that bad boy open. We got music to hear. Oh, even the foam tastes good. What's it smell like? It smells like it's going to be a sour one. It's a pretty color also, I noticed. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. May your beer taste sour and your puddles be sticky. Wow. Cheers. I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's stupid good. Wow. It's got a smooth, I want to say lactose vibe up front, but it's got that kind yeah. of, can I use the term mouthfeel at the beginning? Oh, please. And then the sour, it just hangs and hangs and hangs. But there's so much sweet in there, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's so good. I think the creaminess you're getting up front is because the bubbles in here are so teeny tiny. But it's not a nitro. It's It's not a nitro, but the bubbles almost look like it is, you know? They'll be disappointed because they even have a glassware recommendation on the can. It says tulip. We're really not tulip in the night. No. We're working with what we have. (laughs) Which is not a whole. I do have that whole like taster glass. That's all right. This works fine. We're using glassware we've obtained at other things we've done together. Indeed. Yeah, this is insanely good. I don't know how we're going to top this tonight. It's very fruity. Definitely get pineapple. Definitely get cherry. To me, the cherry is more prominent than the pineapple. To me, that's the dominant flavor. And we've talked about it many times. I think that's one of the best fruits to use in a Mm -hmm. beer. So I really like this one a lot. It, in my opinion, specifically tastes like artificial cherry, like a maraschino cherry, which is what you would use on a pineapple upside down cake. Right, so right, I'm not right, mad at it. Like right. the flavors are spot on, but it doesn't have that like darker cherry flavor. You're right. It's definitely more of a bright maraschino yes. cherry. That's insanely good. All right. Well, you're going to have to rate that later, and you're also going to have to fight for what's left in the can. But <laughs> in the meantime, I think it's time. And the, le- and the second can I bought too. Oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> we're going to divide up the leftover, the spoils. Yes. Since we're sharing. Yes. And we're going to have to fight over who gets what. We'll talk about that when it comes time. <laughs> All right. Tell me of this young man, Philip Phillips. Yeah. So, Philip Phillips, not only does he have a double name, Philip Phillips, but he's also Philip Phillips Jr. Yes, he is. So, his father is also Philip Phillips. I don't know why two generations of people thought that was a good idea, but here we are. He was the winner of the 11th season of American Idol. He was crowned in May of 2012. And this album was released in November of 2012. So they cranked it out, capitalizing on that win. The song Home, which was one of the singles. There were three singles on this album. Home was his coronation song on American Idol. And it became the best-selling American Idol song of all time. How about that? Of all time. I know this is an aside. Do you know if they tended to sing originals when they had this quote-unquote carnation song? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. I never really watched American Idol. I didn't either. I didn't have any idea this guy won American Idol until I started. Like after I prepped the album and it was like, okay, let me go find out about the guy because I like to come into it with no knowledge. That shocked me. I had really? no knowledge that this guy had won Well, American I told Idol. you on the last episode when I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I introduced 
Do but I didn't, like it didn't stick with me. Like in reading the notes, I went, oh my God, this guy won this contest. And yeah. I paid so little attention to that show. And by the 11th season, the first few winners, like Kelly Clarkson was the first ever winner, right? And right. then the couple people after her, I feel like everyone knows who they are. But once you get into the later seasons, it's like, who's paying attention to American Idol anymore? Right. Right. There's a handful of standouts. I mean, it's it's yeah. such a weird artificial show. But anyway, I would be curious to see if they did a lot of original songs like that. So this guy basically had a single prep that he performed on the show. Yeah. So no wonder it made a big splash when it was released. Yeah. So of the three singles on this album, Home, Gone, 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 and Where We Came From, both Home and Gone, Gone, Gone charted on the Billboard Hot 100 and hit number one on the adult contemporary charts for more than three weeks. So this was a hit for its genre. I first heard this album early in the summer of 2013. I was home from college and I and a couple of high school friends took a road trip to the Miami Zoo and the driver put on this album and introduced it as, oh, this is the guy who won American Idol. So I knew that up front, but I, from the very first notes of this album, completely fell in love with it. Bought it immediately when I got home, listened to it constantly, and it became a pretty steady soundtrack of my sophomore year of college when I came back to Gainesville. And I still listen to it every so often to this day. It is such a joyful album. And it does have its dark moments and its slow moments. But I think overall, the overwhelming feeling of this album is joy and like joie de vivre and just loving being alive and really valuing what it is to be on this planet. There's a lot of talk of natural features. Obviously, the title track, which is called Man on the Moon, is about sort of looking down on the earth from above and reminiscing on how wonderful it is to be alive. And I just think that's a really beautiful tone for an album to take. I overwhelmingly feel very happy when I listen to this album. I did want to read you a quote from Philip Phillips himself about the title of the album. The album title, The World from the Side of the Moon, came from the lyrics of the first song on the album, Man on the Moon. Phillips described it as the experience of watching himself in a DVD of the whole idol season someone gave him. This is his quote. So I was kind of watching myself from a whole different world that no one else really knows. It's interesting to see how it happened and so fast. That's how I picked the title. I felt like I watched myself grow and this whole album is representing where I am. So I love that notion that he just had this sort of out of body experience watching himself grow to fame on a reality TV show and then wrote a song about it and then wrote really an album about it. I just think that's so beautiful. And I think it's really sweet. Speaking of a very similar thing, I got to meet Buzz Aldrin. And I think we've mentioned that in the podcast before. And we asked him some thoughts about being on the moon when we got the chance to meet him. And uh, he said two things that really stuck with me. One is when he looks up at the moon, he sees a place that he went like a vacation or a destination place. Yeah. But the other thing he said that really stuck with me was that when he got back, he realized that the three of them had missed the biggest story on the planet. Oh, yeah. Because all the things that were surrounding that event that were happening on Earth, he didn't get to experience. Right, right. Because he was there being part of it. Looking so, at the world from the side of the moon. Looking at the world from the side wow. of the moon. And he wasn't part of this collective experience oh, wow. that the planet was having. And there's only three people in the entire world who had that similar experience. 
So it's kind of the same thing he was talking about. That's an interesting reason to pick an album title. Yeah. And I agree with you. My one note on the album was that there's a lot of references to natural things. You know, he talked about earth and moon, sun, gravity, and then he references all kinds of other natural phenomena. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of this is very much grounded in earth or grounded in your surroundings. And I think that's a really cool theme for the album and the title reflects that, which is fantastic. Yeah. Well, what did you think about the album overall? Well, one other quick thing before we do that. Yeah. Um, did you have any other recollection of the song Home? Well, you told me. <laughs> okay. So your only recollection is what I shared with you in the last episode, right? So I'm sure. Okay. So for backstory, when I introduced this album, you told me that Home was the season song for the Panthers one season. Florida Panthers hockey team that you have held season tickets to for a very long time. And I don't specifically recall that. I'm sure I was at a game where that was played. But since that wasn't my first knowledge of the song, I don't really remember that specifically. Yeah, that's the one song. I knew two of them. Oh. Vividly. Nice. But Home in particular, I remember from the stadium. So... Yeah, each season they kind of do a thematic approach to the season, right? The graphics are all kind of tied together. And for one season, that was the song about being home ice, you know, home. So it's kind of drilled into your head, right? Yeah. This is the thing for the year. Well, I mean, it's a little sentimental for what's supposed to be kind of a pump-up song, don't you think? Well, what they did was they showed a lot of the crowd, the fans, the interactions with the players, you know, that home ice vibe. You know, in recent years, they've toughened that up a little bit. But that particular year, it was really about trying to uh, drive a fan base to the stadium and show how much the fans were a part of the game. And so I thought it was a good choice. And I always liked the song. And then I remembered hearing that on Serious radio. And the other one that you mentioned, Gone, 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 which is similar musically and structurally to Home, was another one that I vividly remember from the radio. I found the rest of the album fairly consistent with those, not necessarily in tone and tempo, but musically. Mm -hmm. The middle of the pack, or the middle two-thirds, is that kind of consistent singer-songwriter, acoustic-driven, or some other interesting instruments in here. There's oh, some yeah. banjo. There's some other cool instruments Fiddle. in here. Fiddle. But I really like the album a lot. I found some of his vocals, to before I ever read anything about the album, I heard one song in particular, and when we play it, I'll, I'll point it out. I think it's track five. Sounds exactly like Dave Matthews. Like exactly oh like Dave Matthews. Oh my gosh, yeah, you're totally right. And I, and I know the song you're talking yeah, about too. Yeah, I mean, it's, like it's even <laughs> structurally so like a Dave funny. Matthews song. And so I heard that, and then I heard, you know, with some of the other folk rock instruments, either Avet Brothers or... Mumford and Sons. Oh, Mumford and Sons. There's some of the instrumentation sounds like that a little bit. And so you're reading the reviews of the album and, you know, one of the criticisms from one of the reviewers was something along the lines of, why do we need another Dave Matthews? We have Dave Matthews. <laughs> oh my gosh, you that's know? so And funny. it's like, if the music's good and the songwriting's good, why would you <laughs> to have a gifted singer-songwriter with an interesting sound have a hit album <laughs> and hit singles who... Makes you think of other Don't artists. Don't complain. Why would you not want <laughs> more music that well, sounds like what you like? <laughs> that was the whole point of this podcast, right? I'm trying to discover things yeah, exactly. that sound like. And here's what's interesting about that. You know, and I've talked about it before. I have never wrapped my head around Dave Matthews. I was just about to say, you famously have always said, on paper, you should love Dave Matthews' band. And, and I you just, just don't. don't. I just don't care for <laughs> Dave Matthews. Now, the one song on here that sounds like Dave Matthews really sounds like Dave Matthews. Nothing else really sounds that derivative. <laughs> so funny. It's not that derivative of that one song. Sure. 
And so I really did enjoy this album a lot. Oh, good. And I, I came to it liking the two songs I'd heard anyway. Yeah. In the old days, I would have heard a song like Gone, Gone, Gone or Home, and I would have thought, oh, I should pick this album up. So why I didn't pick this album up 10 years ago, I have no idea because I really do like it. Honestly, I figured this would be an easy get for you because it has everything we like, right? It has the interesting instrumentation. It has some more hard rocking songs, but it is acoustic driven. It's just kind of everything we're interested in in one beautiful, joyous package. It's a vocal performance that is raw. He sings well. He's got a rasp and a raw kind of quality to his voice. It doesn't sound artificial to me. No. You can hear the emotion yeah, in his voice, completely. which I totally like. And so, and I buy it too. Like exactly. I, 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 that, that was my I, point. Right. He's delivering a performance that you honestly believe the emotions in a performance. So yeah, this was really, really good. And this guy also has some interesting phrasing. I think the yes. song I put toward the bottom or at the bottom was a combination of darker in tone, minor key, and maybe a little bit too much of the phrasing, plus the position it's in. It had a bunch of strong against it. So tallying things up, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to stick this one in the bottom. Ooh, but again, we might have the same least favorite. I feel like we may match a lot tonight. Maybe. I'm just guessing based on the way this album played out. So I have only one responsibility tonight. I didn't get to pick the album. <laughs> I didn't get to pick the beer, but I do get to drive the bus with the musical clips. Is that correct? That's correct. And I'm also going to have you read the beer descriptions from the cans. Oh, that's nice of you. It's <laughs> tiny font, so that should go well. And, and you're my lighting a light is not the best oh my God. in this beautiful living room. Partially in the dark and the font's tiny and my glasses are smeared up. But other than that, it's And you drove fine. for six hours And today. I drove six, a four and a half hour drive was six hours. We got stuff to talk about. So I'm going to start then with track one, I guess, which is the song where the title of the album came from the lyrics. The song is not called that. The song is called Man on the Moon. I watched the world from the side of the moon, looking at the stars, looking back to you, just to see if you were still alive, looking at the sun with the fire in your eyes. It's hard to know where I stand, even a man on the moon couldn't tell me where the land was. I wanted to fly in the sea with no gravity to pull me. So true story. All my initial notes on this album are tossed. And here's why. Really? Well, let me explain why. I buy the album on iTunes and they download it. Oh. And when it downloads, <laughs> one of the songs isn't part of the album, right? It like didn't download the song. I'm like, what's going on with this? Well, it turned out, I guess the one song, which I think was track two, had been downloaded previously. And then I struggled to get them merged <laughs> in iTunes so that it would form one entire album. I finally got it. I got it right. We had to do part of this together. Yeah, we, we worked on this together, right? Okay. Then I have to move it to my phone so that I can listen to it, you know, in a bunch of different environments. As you do. So the first time I listened to this, I was in a hotel in Bakersfield, California. Long story there, but that's where I am. So I pull out my notes and I play the album and I make notes. Liked it, didn't like it, liked it. Double star, whatever. Days later, I realized 
the songs were not in the right order. Oh my God. So I was marking off whatever the number of the song was. Oh, this is the third track playing, number three. They were complete. So my initial notes don't mean anything. Your tightly controlled first listen (laughs) is thrown out the window. It had to be in the follow up of all the mistakes that went well. Uh oh, because there's no way this went well. I can't believe in our third season we're getting worse at this. (laughs) I don't know. I think the problem is we've fallen into a comfort zone and now we just assume. Anyway, long story short, I'm not sure this was the very first song I played that night in the album or not, but I think this is a great way to start the album. I actually think this was the first song that night, but I'm not, I just tossed that sheet of notes. I think this song is great. I think this sets up the entire album, right? Because we were talking about how it has a lot to do with nature. And in this song, it's kind of a relationship song where it's the moon versus the sun. His character is the narrator. He's the man on the moon. And the the woman he's involved with or his partner is the sun. You see the line, looking at the sun with the fire in your eyes. I watch the world from the side of the moon, which goes back to what you were talking about with the American Idol experience makes total sense. I didn't have that information. And so to me, there was this conflict between the narrator and his partner that was as simple as his calm presence and her kind of fiery presence, all told through natural phenomenon. I thought that was really, really good. Structurally, these songs are all pretty similar. He's got a couple of verses and chorus on repeat. So there's not a ton of lyrics in the songs. The other Uh thing is it's hard to pick clips because he's always got a big musical wind-up. Yeah, which I love. Which is beautiful, (laughs) but it makes it hard to pick a clip that gets into that minute, 75-second window that we always try to hit. So I start a lot of these clips in the middle like I did with this one. But anyway, I have a couple near the bottom. I have my top three, and then I got this middle of the pack. So this is one of those that's just, it's in the middle of the pack in a very consistent collection of songs. It's really well done. Great way to open the album. This is my second favorite song. Wow. And similar to you, I easily could tell my top three, distinguishing a one, two, and three between them was tough. And then I have a big chunk in the middle, and then I have a couple that tend towards the bottom. So I'm saying this is number two, but ask me again tomorrow. It could be number one. I think this song is absolutely gorgeous. I have never read the relationship metaphor into it. I have always just thought that this song was about seizing the day and making the most out of the life that you have. You know, the chorus is the main reason. I think that, hold on, it won't take long. You can find yourself if you decide to finally start. It's very motivating. (laughs) The last line of the chorus, don't let your life start to slowly waste away. Even though he's describing like, oh, don't throw your life away, which is theoretically negative, right? If he's talking to someone who is throwing their life away, saying don't throw their life away, something's going on there. But I've always felt that this is Just such an overwhelmingly positive song. It's so uplifting. The fiddle in here, I'm just obsessed with. I love the fiddle in this song. The folky strumming, it's just beautiful. I've loved it from the very first day I heard this album. And I also think it's a fantastic opening track. And now that I know the story behind the World from the Side of the Moon lyrics, it just means that much more to me. It's so cool to think about his sort of -of out-of-body experience, watching himself grow not only as a person, but also grow to fame in front of the eyes of millions of Americans. It's interesting that we know more about the lyrics 
experience knowing that story. Mm -hmm. Like I'm reading it without knowing that story and I have an interpretation. Yes, knowing what the inspiration is to write it makes it that much better. But you don't need to know that in order for this to be interesting. The reason I kept thinking about the relationship was because it seems like there's another person that he's talking to. I don't think he's talking to himself. He could be. I'm not saying he's not. But I feel like he's talking to another person that they have a different point of view on the relationship. And there's the line, it's hard to know where I stand. Even the man on the moon couldn't tell me where to land. But I wanted to fly in the sea with no gravity to pull me down. That was the biggest lyric that made me think that he was talking about a relationship with this other person who was represented by the discussion of the sun in the song. I don't want gravity to pull me down. You know, it's kind of a little bit of a crowbar to get relationship out of that. But yeah, because I completely see that as I have no path in life. I don't know what I want to do. Even the man on the moon couldn't tell me where to land, right? I don't know where I'm going to land in my career, in my life. You know, where do I live? Any of these decisions, right, that we make as adults. But gravity's not going to hold me down, that's for sure. I'm going to grab what I want no matter where or what it is. Yeah, and I thought of that in terms of a relationship, not just life choices. You're in a relationship and I'm not, so that makes sense. Oh, there you go. That's, <laughs> maybe that's what it is. And also I'm at a stage in my life where, you know, decisions have to be made. You've made all the decisions you need to make pretty well, much Well, all I can tell you in my relationship is gravity's not going to pull me down. Wow, so inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> So that is track one. That leads us to track two, which we've already had some conversation about. This is the song that the Florida Panthers used, whatever year that was. It was the coronation song, as Abigail described it, from American Idol. Wikipedia described it as that, not me. Abigail read Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the track, Home. Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone I'm gonna make this place your home Settle down, it'll all be clear Don't pay no mind to the demons, they fill you with fear The trouble in my drag you So you're going to notice that I'm going to use the word relationship a lot in our conversation. Now this one because I makes sense. A relationship, as you pointed out before. Yes. With none other than my mother. Well, that works out for you. (laughs) Yeah, it does actually. (laughs) I went to the doctor and she was like, "Tell me about yourself." New patient, first time ever going to this doctor, and I was like, "Well, what do you want to know?" She was like, "Oh, what do your parents do?" And then she said, "Wow, it's so amazing that your parents are still together." And I was like. 
boy, do I think that every day of my life. <laughs> I'm not sure where that's going. Yeah, the whole theme of this song to me, including the title, is that home is built on a relationship. What is home is these two people, regardless of where they are. Mm -hmm. That's what the song's about, which I find very interesting and very charming. Part of it is you don't have to live in fear because of that. Regardless of what happens, regardless of the twists and turns of life, wherever we land, that is home. So I could certainly see why this was a big hit. Again, very chorus driven. The lyrics are kind of repetitive in this, but it gets to the point yeah. very quickly and very well. And this one has a lot more music. I mean, it's a full length single because there's a lot of music in this song. There's a lot of ooze. He does that a lot, by the way. And they yeah, he does. <laughs> they write it in the lyric sheets very funny. I'll have to find it. It's not in this one. It's like A-U-U-U-U. He's got it. Ah, ooh. Oh, yeah. He does that in a bunch of songs. Yeah. And that's how they write it. In that's lyrics. funny. A-U-U-U-U-U <laughs> or something like that. I'll find it when we get howling, to it. Howling like a lupin. Like he's howling like a lupin. Wow. Whoa. Another connection Speaking to be made. Speaking of lupin, let me have a <laughs> lupulin sip while we're... Because that's really going to get a high rating. But anyway, back to the song. This is on the cusp for me. When I first played this song, it didn't matter where it was in the incorrect order of the album. <laughs> I recognized it instantly and sure. I went, oh, this is clearly going to be my favorite song of the album. Didn't land there. It's uh, like number four. Wow. Although a couple of them were almost a virtual tie. Sure. And like you said, I had these four that came to the top and putting them in order, that shifted a lot till mm -hmm. the very end. And I think reading the lyrics that one of the last passes helped me crystallize the position. Anyway, really liked the song a lot. And of course, it means a lot to me with the Panthers connection. Yeah, I love this song. I think it's beautiful. The first three tracks on this album, honestly, no notes. I think they are perfect, sequenced perfectly, just three bangers right out the gate. Unfortunately, I think this song falls victim to something that I experience a lot, which is when I hear a song too much on the radio and just out and about, I become sort of sick of it. And... Of all the songs on this album, this is the one that that was going to happen to because this absolutely blew up and this was everywhere. You know what we call that, don't you? What do we call We that? call that the down under phenomenon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the down under phenomenon. Because when I named- Because that was yours. That was my yes. least favorite on that old <laughs> Men at Work album and you stared at me like I was insane. And now you've done it multiple times since then. I so have, but we have a I name don't think now. I've ever said they're my least favorite because of that. I just, they're not my favorite because of that. You know, otherwise love this song, but I have just heard it to death. It's not interesting to me anymore as much as the other songs on this album are. But I think it's a beautiful song and completely agree with you. The message is so sweet about no matter where you are, you're at home when you're with the person you love. It's beautiful, you know? Yeah, it's clean. It's simple to the point yeah. and musically gorgeous. And quite honestly, a perfect coronation song because he was just like bearing his soul to the world. And having read that quotation about the inspiration for the title of the album, like he just seems like such a genuine person to me. I, I know nothing about this man. I read one quotation from him, but he seems like a genuine soul. He just found fame doing something that he loves. And I think that's really sweet. You know, I'm going to go look and see if that performance from American Idol is available on YouTube or something. Because yeah. I, didn't, I read about this too late to like dig into the video clip part of it and check any of that stuff out. And I will go back and do that and put some of the clips up on the webpage. But I'd like to see that performance, particularly from American Idol, and see how it compares to what ended up on the album. You know, because I'm yeah. sure it was just him with an acoustic guitar. I, well, I don't know. I don't know how they produced yeah, that show. Yeah, I don't show. know. Yeah, by the way, it's been on since then. I've still never watched 
a single episode of American Idol. Yeah, I don't think I have either. All right, that was track two. How about one more track, and then we got to finish this beer. Perfect. So that takes us to track number three, which I believe you said was one of the other singles. Indeed. And that's the song Gone, Gone, Gone. When life leaves you high and dry, I'll be at your door tonight. If you need help, if you need help, I'll shut down the city lights. I'll lie, cheat, I'll beg and bribe to make you well, to make you well. When enemies are at your door, I'll carry you away from more. If you need help, if you need help. Your hope dangling by a string I'll share in your suffering To make you well To make you well Give me reasons to believe That you would do the same for me And I would do it for you For you Baby, I'm not moving on I'll love you long after you're gone Great clip selection, Dad. Thanks, Abigail. So this is I'm Three for Three, relationship song. Yes. Um, Well, song one open to interpretation. All right, I'll give you that. But you had notes. This one, the relationships may be a little darker. This is more about I'm going to be by your side regardless of the problems that you have. Yeah. Like your hope dangling by a string. I'll share in your suffering to make you well, to make you well. So I feel like this is a very dedicated partner who's going to work through the struggles of somebody who maybe it's a mental health problem, maybe it's some kind of issue. I don't know what the issue is, but that was sort of my interpretation of it. This is my second favorite song on the album. Nice. Good choice. This is one that I knew, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I had heard this one on the radio. So there was that familiarity to it. Again, it builds like the last one. It starts off slow and it goes into an anthemic thing. And then this one, it doesn't continue that. It stops and it goes back to the slow part, builds it again with some changes in the lyrics and the the verses in the second part that are maybe a little darker. I think this is really, really well-written, well-performed song. So this is number two for me. Yeah. If I were to pick a number four, this would probably be number four. Although I have heard it a lot, this one stands up for me. I continue to love this song. And for me, I see what you're saying about sort of the darker elements, but because the music is so joyful, I don't really bump on the darker lyrics. And also I kind of see this as like recapitulating traditional wedding vows in sickness and in hell till death do us part right? I'll love you long after you're gone in theory about either a breakup or death. I genuinely think this is one of my favorite love songs of all time. I love this song so much. I think it's so beautiful. And anthemic is an amazing word for the chorus. I love the big percussion in the chorus. It's almost... I mean, wall of sound is not exactly right, but it just gets so big and you can still hear the vocals clearly and you can hear the percussion, like you can hear the elements, but it's just so big and amazing. And then at the very last line of the chorus, it all goes away and it's just him singing, gone, gone, gone. It gets me every time. It's so amazingly done. I think the reason the song holds up, because I use the word darker, the lyrics are darker. There's a more complex relationship here than the last song. 
Remember, the title of the song is Gone, Gone, Gone. It doesn't end well. <laughs> Somebody's gone, yeah, gone, gone. I guess that's true. I think it holds up because the story's more complex. Yeah. Because musically, it's not dissimilar from the last song. A little bit of a stronger song because it does have a break and a restart. So I think those two things are why it pushes up to a number two versus a number four mm -hmm. on the two songs that I was the most familiar with. So yeah, maybe darker is too strong of a word. Maybe it's a complex relationship. I mean, this is what life is like, right? Not everything is perfect all the time. Going back to your point about the wedding vows, how you work through that is what makes a strong relationship strong, right? So that's a really well-written song. Mm -hmm. Well, that's three songs. <gasps> and oh we have 12. Oh my gosh, we get and, to do another okay, so let's beer. rate this delicious Sticky Puddles Pineapple Upside Down Cake by Lupulin Brewing, which has nothing to do with wolves or the moon. Unfortunately. I have to go really big on this one. I know, me too. I'm a little afraid to give it the rating I want to give it, honestly. Well, if I go 475. Oh my gosh. That won't scare you, Willie. <laughs> That's big for you. That is big for me. So many flavors that blend so perfectly for that category of beer. Yeah. Everything is so perfectly well balanced. All the flavors are there individually, and then they all work together. And then there's this movement over time. You start with one thing, you end with a different thing. Mm -hmm. The last thing I taste of all the stuff is the pineapple. I think the cherry is really up front. Then it stays tart to sour for a long time. And then the very last thing you taste is the pineapple. Which is interesting because it is upside down. <laughs> but that's a fabulous beer. Yeah. And I gave it a 475 because I don't know what else you have in the fridge and I need room. What happens if there's a five in that fridge? Because okay. this is about as close to a five <laughs> without me giving a five. Sure. That I've had a very long time. Well, and that's why I said I was a little afraid because I think I'm going to give this a 5.0. What? Yeah. Was that your first five, the podcast? This is my first 5.0 on the podcast. It is not my first 5.0 of life. I have maybe six that I've rated a 5.0. And of the six, either five or six are sours. <laughs> I would understand that. This joins a very impressive suite of 5.0 rated beers on my untapped. Welcome to the club. Well-deserved. Welcome to the club, Sticky Puddles. <laughs> I, I want to go back and buy every variation Ooh. of the Sticky Puddles. I wonder if they are all available or whether they're like one-offs and then they move on to the next one. Well, so there was at least one other one at Crafty Bastards. So listen, we have to get something else out of the fridge. All right. This next one is for you, because if it were up to me, we'd be drinking four sticky puddles. So <laughs> I had to make sure we got something of your category in here tonight. So this one is called Blissful Ignorance, and you have the can to read the description. I do indeed, and it's another gorgeous can. And here's what they say. Inspired by the wonderful hoppy beers coming out of the Northeast, this double IPA is loaded with waves of some of the juiciest hops available. Citra, Mosaic, Columbus blend together to make this hop juice. Intentionally left hazy with yeast in suspension to create a soft mouthfeel uh -oh. and enhance the flavor of this wonderfully hoppy beer. Listen, I'll decide whether there's mouthfeel. <laughs> Let's be clear. Please. As the arbiter of all things mouth. Listen, they were blissfully ignorant thinking they got to call that when I'm here. Let's find out. <laughs> I'm sure you love that. <laughs> I can tell by the look on your I'm face. I'm not that, a fan. That, you, that wasn't a good one for you. <laughs> oh, well, my. For every sticky puddles, there's got to be a blissfully ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Someone cross-stitch that, please. <laughs> yeah, I like that. 
first of all, it's not super hoppy. Let me take it back. It's not super bitter. There's a lot of hot no. flavor and it's not real bitter. It's not real piney. I get the pineyness. I, it's not, it it's tastes, not dry in my mouth it, now. No. The flavor though is piney and resinous. Yeah, I would say that. It smells very piney too. You know what I have to say about that? Honestly, you know what it actually smells like? It kind of smells like weed. Well, no wonder you're blissfully. <laughs> Hops and the marijuana plant are very closely related. Hence lupulin. Yeah, lupulin. And, you know, dank. <laughs> yeah. Dank's a good term. A common descriptor for hoppy beers. Lots of similarities here, but this one in particular is, um, it's a little weedy. But as a beer drinker, that's a beer drinker's beer. Let me take one more sip and try to describe the flavors as they rocket through my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. Okay. Well, it's going to be the polar opposite of a 475 from you. Actually, I gave the last one a 5.0. So. Oh, you had to outdo me on that one. Well, here's the deal. I'm going to outdo you on this one by probably more than a quarter point. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would say so. So I guess I can have the rest of that can. Is that what you're saying? Please. And I also guess <laughs> And you're going to take the bonus one. <laughs> That's my bonus. All right. Back to the album. So now we're moving on to track four. And track four is called Hold On. Find yourself one of these days As if they know I'm lost and can never be one of the ones I thought, first of all, the phrasing is interesting. You heard that in there. There's some weird phrasing in there. That's one of the ahus that if you look at it, it's yes. <laughs> A, U, 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 U. It's got nine U's and an A. Very lupine of him. He's howling at the moon. <laughs> this was the first one I put a note. Is this a religious song? So there's a lot of kind of religious language in this. We were talking about how in a lot of the other songs, it's more earthly, worldly, mm -hmm. natural things. But in this one, he uses the word sacred. He uses the word Lord. He uses the word hell. He uses the word saved. So I feel like there was some sort of religious symbolism going on there. I don't know that it's purely religious as much as a song about redemption. And so I think he's pulling religious terms to kind of steer you into the direction of somebody who's looking for salvation or redemption. I think that's in the context of a relationship. Oh boy. Because I feel like that's <laughs> what he's writing about in most of the songs on here. By the way, we've had this conversation a lot about young writers who write a lot of relationship songs. And I feel like he's drawn on personal experience. And so in his age bracket, this is what he knows and this is what he's writing about. Right. But he does a good job of hitting the emotional marks in the songs about relationships. So each of these is complex in its own way. And so in this one, it sounds like he's on the outs. He's looking for, like we said, salvation or redemption. And as a writer, he went, I'm going to write a song about redemption. 
I'm going to use religious terminology to make that connection. Uh, this one kind of falls in the middle. This is not a top bottom kind of thing. This is in that middle of the pack category for me. Yeah, it's also in my middle of the pack. The song doesn't really have a chorus, which I think is interesting. Unlike most of the other songs on this album, it has a bridge kind of, and then it goes into the next verse. And you, the clip you played cut off after the first line of the bridge. So yes, it did. That's kind of interesting structurally. And I have also always interpreted this one as being about finding yourself and making your own way in the world. And I'm starting to realize that's maybe because of where I was in life when I first heard this album. I mean, as I said, I, I had just finished my first year of college. I was back home for a little bit before I started my summer job. It was sort of the first summer of freedom as an adult, like truly as an adult, having lived on my own for a year. And so, yeah, I definitely read a lot of budding adulthood life choices into these songs, and this one's no exception. I wasn't in a relationship at that time, and I am not now, so it makes sense that I didn't or am not hearing a lot of the relationship connections that you're hearing. But the very first line in the clip that you played is, they say you'll find yourself one of these days. And you could argue there are multiple theses statements for this album, but I think that's a pretty dang good one. They say you'll find yourself one of these days. I think a lot of this album is about finding yourself and making your own way in the world and also learning to love the life that you have and growing to love the life you are actively making for yourself. So I think in terms of message, this is spot on. Musically, I don't find it as interesting as some of the other songs. So it's middle of the road for me. You know, you're, you're talking about, well, at the time that I heard this, I was doing this. It's, that's the best thing about art, right? So here's a guy, he writes a song, he's got a perspective, but he's writing it in song structures. So there's going to be some vagueness to it because that's what songs are. Right. Right. That's the beauty of songs or poetry. And then you read it and you're reading it at a certain point in your life with a certain set of expectations or life experiences. And you read what he's written and you put your own spin on that. Right. May not line up with his. And then I can read it years later in a different life experience and have a completely different sort of look at the same set of words from a guy who wrote something 10 years ago who might look at that same set of lyrics that he wrote and even he might interpret them different 10 years after the fact. Yeah. And that's what's amazing about just any kind of art, whether it's visual art, whether it's music or songs or poetry is that the artist brings something to the table and so does the person who's taking in the art. Every experience of art is a collaboration between the artist and the observer. And time. And time, yeah. Because you can come back to it years later and look at it with a different set of eyes or a different life experience and have a different interpretation of what you just read or heard. So it's interesting that you're looking at the songs with a different life experience and coming away with a different sort of thing. And I'll bet if we went back and listened to old episodes, like where we are in life makes us look at the songs differently all the time. Oh, for sure. There's probably a lot of that in these conversations in retrospect. Definitely. I do want to point out this beer is 9%. I'm looking Did I forget it. to say ABV 9%? <laughs> you did, but it's, I think it's relevant. <laughs> and this is the second of the night. Ooh, doggy. I know. I'm glad we're not each having a just, full can. I was looking and I was like, I think I'm a little buzzed. And then I glanced at the can and saw, oh, that 9% is staring at me. This is why the ignorance is blissful. Indeed. All right. Well, how about we move on to track five? Because the faster we 
do the songs, the faster we get to drink this beer and move on to the next one so that maybe you'll find one that you like. <laughs> At okay. 10.5% or whatever, was, whatever else you have I was going to say, I don't know if drinking this one quickly is the best idea. No, well, you're not. i got to no. finish the whole can now that you've bailed on me. All right. Track five is called Tell Me a Story. Tell me a story, long and true. We aren't what we say. We are what we do. Just pieces of the puzzle to find where we stand. Just confused. So... The moon that pulls me through the night Hope is just a ray of what everyone should see Alone is the street where you found me Scared of what's behind you and scared of I'm sorry, I accidentally played a Dave Matthews track there. Let me go find the right track. Oh, this is the one you think. Yeah, track five. Oh, Tell me a story. See, I was thinking of a different one. This is so Dave Matthews to me. Interesting. And I like the song, but it completely, to me, sounded like Dave Matthews first time I played it. Wow. The first time it dawned on me that he sounds like Dave Matthews. I mean, listen to the beginning of that again. Tell me a story, long and true. We are what we say. We are what we do. Just pieces of so yeah, to me, definitely sounds like Dave Matthews. The cello in here is interesting to me. That's what makes this kind of uh, a haunting musical song. But I like this one. I like the structure of this song. Guess what? I think it's a love song that talks about the fear <laughs> of a new relationship and the redemption of that new relationship over time. But again, I'm in a relationship. So let's hear from Abigail. <laughs> No, I think this one is pretty inarguably a relationship <laughs> song. It's interesting, though, that he brings back the sun and the moon metaphors again. Yeah, exactly. They're in a lot of songs. But in this one, the partner is both the sun and the moon. Yes. Which I think is cool. This one lands near to the bottom for me. It's a slower one. But mostly because it is the song before two back-to-back -back songs, which fall in my top three. Spoiler alert. So to me, this is sort of just a prequel to when it really gets good, when the album like really kicks it up a notch. So this one is just kind of a throwaway song for me. I don't skip it, but I'm just listening to it so I can get to my favorite song on the album. He only has a couple of slow songs on here. They are spaced out. They are. They're spaced well. You're five songs in before you get something that you would say is a slow song, yeah. which is great. You know, we've had albums where number two would be the slow song. You're like, where is this going? Right. Talk about an anchor early in the album. <laughs> and I'd like to make the case that this would be a great final song on the album. I don't think this album requires any major resequencing at all. But I think the way, like if you played a, a pretty basic album with some ups and downs and, and then you wrapped it up with this, it's not a bad way to end the album. No. And it'd be kind of a nice quiet epilogue to the album. Yeah. I happen to love the closing track on this album as a closing I track. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. I wouldn't make this the closing track on this album, but yeah. it would be a good closing track for an album. Oh, okay. It's for an imaginary other album. <laughs> 
Got it. Got it. Like okay. this would be this would be the kind of thing you might stick at the end. Sure. But on this album, you can't really do that because the closing track is the perfect closing track yeah. for this album. And closing tracks can kind of go one of two ways, right? They can either be a slower tempo, wind down, or they can be we're going to finish this off with a bang. And both have merit, right? I think this is neither. It's neither slow enough to be a nice little wind down. I think on this album it is. This and maybe one other one is about as slow as it gets. And this is slow and melodic and pretty. It is pretty. That's true. To me, since the overall mood of the album is so joyful, I mean, this is pretty, but I wouldn't call this joyful. (laughs) No, no, no. And the last track of the album, as it is, is joyful. I'm going to say it one more time. I'm pretending that track doesn't exist because it's the perfect closing okay, song. Okay. Great. I'm just saying if you this, hypothetically this, this song, in an alternate universe. In an alternate universe where we didn't throw track eleven out, we threw track twelve out. Okay. Oh, did I say that out loud? This Spoilers. song this song is a would be a nice way to close an album. Okay, great. Let's leave it at that. Time out. This is only our second beer. So I told you a story. And now we're going to move on to track number six. We're going to kick it up a notch. Get up, get down. Walk it off and keep it on. Let it take control of every cell inside your body, each and every bone. Burn, baby, burn. Let's cool it down again. Turn, baby, turn to see where it all begins, yeah. It's all right, it's out there. Well, that's a little faster than the last one. Woo, baby. So this is my third favorite song on the album. Nice. So this is the one that I was debating between this and Home. And the reason I moved this up is because this is really different on this. I like this is the rocker. Well, it's one of maybe two rockers on the album. And I wasn't expecting that six songs in, this is a pretty big departure. And it comes off that last song. So it's like a big departure. Like you just got... Both extremes of the album mm-hmm. in those those two songs. Yep. This is the sexiest song on the album. The title, Get Up, Get Down, gives you all the information you need to know. Yep. To me, it's the intensity of, dare I say, a new relationship. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, what? That's another relationship? Relationship songs in a row from a <laughs> early 20s singer-songwriter? Good God, man. <laughs> when I say it's the sexiest song on here, there's one line in here that was really interesting to me because there was a little bit of a double meaning to it. He goes, find out what's there, something new to conceive. It made me think you know, yeah. about pregnancy, right? Not that that's the intent or not that that's happened, but mm-hmm. throwing that into the mix because there's a lot of double entendres in the language mm-hmm. and to throw the word conceive in there seems intentional to me. Yeah. So yeah, I think this is a fabulous song and uh, it's my third favorite. This is my favorite song. Oh, you had to one up. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I think it's been my favorite 
since the beginning when I first purchased this album. I love this song. You're right. It's completely different from everything else on the album and coming off of the last track. It's just such a punch when this starts playing. I agree with you. It's a very sexy song. Not just the lyrics, but the music itself is sexy. Yeah. Horns. Horns. And this is what I thought you were referring to when you said the Dave Matthews song, because this to me sounds very Dave Matthews. This is more of a rocker Dave Matthews, and the other one is sort of his slow tempo, kind of satellite sound. The song satellite I'm talking about. I don't know a lot of Dave Matthews songs, but the ones I know sound more like this, and his voice is a great match for Dave Matthews, and this one just, when you said Dave Matthews, this was the song I thought of, and the song I thought you were referring to. So, this is just such a fun song. It just gets me pumped up every time I hear it. You saw me dancing to it when you played the clip. Yeah, it's just fabulous. You know, it's funny. I go through all this machinations of reviewing these albums and writing all my notes and I'm driving up here today and of course I play it one more time. I've done all the homework. I'm ready to go. And now I'm hearing songs and I'm like, boy, I sure hope I, because I don't remember what I wrote. (laughs) I sure hope I put that one in my top three. (laughs) Funny. What song is that? I better check that when I And of course, it was the right one. I was second guessing myself in the car. Yeah. And the thing is, so here we go. Not that this is an episode about Dave Matthews, because it's not. I hear this and I go, so again, on paper, I should love Dave Matthews. So what's my deal with Dave Matthews? And then maybe it's the other song or the other style of song that I hear, because I hear those two that makes me go, maybe not Dave Matthews. So I'm very confused about Dave Matthews, but this is not a Dave Matthews episode. And if anybody wants <laughs> Maybe to Maybe we will have one someday. Well, it's going to be a jukebox. It would have to, it would have to be. <laughs> well, listen, we've done half the album now. Oh, shoot. Technically, we need to get another beer. Technically, whoa, that was a weird look. Sorry. <laughs> goo, goo, googly eyes. That's my 8% followed by 9% tall boys. That bodes poorly for what's coming out of the fridge next. Oh, boy. You don't even you don't even know what I have in store. I don't know. That's the beauty of this. I know. That's what I'm saying. Listen, I'm okay with this beer. Uh, I'll go first because I'm almost done and you seem to have a, about a quart there to drink. I'm between a 3.75 and a 4, okay. but I'm more toward the 3.75 end on this. And I feel like if I hadn't have already tasted sticky puddles. I know. This I was debating up, putting this one first. This would have ended up being a 4 mm. because I feel like coming out of that sweet tart, I feel like I'm shortchanging this one a little bit. This is a strong beer. For I mean, sure. I, you can taste... It's not boozy. That's not a word I'm looking no, for. No, but the hops are so forward. It's like if you were confused about what you're drinking, you can't be. You could drink sticky puddles and be like, oh, I'm drinking a fruit juice. Yeah. This That's is scary. Though. That was 8%, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> no, that was 9% also. Oh, God. This, there's no confusion about what you're drinking. Yeah, so think about that because Sticky Puddles was 9% and this thing we're drinking right now is 9%. And I can almost taste the alcohol in this. Yeah. Or it tastes strong. It's dank. That's the uh, only dank, way. <laughs> yeah, dank, uh, dank's probably your best word that you've used all night. These are two 9% beers and they couldn't be more radically different. And I like them both. And the problem I'm having is... I like this one so much more that I feel like I'm shortchanging this, but I'm sticking with it. Three, seven, five. I don't dislike dank, but this may be a little too dank for me. Maybe that's where this is going. Maybe what I'm calling boozy is how overly dank it is. And for the record, I would like someone to make me a koozie that says 
too dank for me. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to give this a 2.75. Oh, my God. Okay, I would not drink this again. 3.0 means? I'm not sure you drank it this time. (laughs) Listen, I gave it about a fair shake as I possibly could have. It's dank. I mean, that's the best word for it. It's very piney. I think resinous is the better word. It really, yeah, I think it, resinous is a good it word. It tastes like pine sap. And it has grown on me as I've sipped. But when I first sipped it, the hops were almost astringent. I feel like they've mellowed out in the fact that I, I don't feel like I'm being punched in the mouth when I take a sip. See, I think the problem was you came out of this last beer. and That's, That is yeah, 100% have, part of it. I wouldn't drink it again. Okay. So not. it gets a 2.75. But I don't hate it. Why don't you pass me that glass and go to the fridge and I will get set up for track seven. Okay. Now we're moving on to, oh, what a bizarre can label this is. Holy cow. This is Unchecked Hedonism, which coming out of blissful ignorance What is a name, am I right? Oh, it's dark. Yeah, it's, oh. a, it's a quad. Ooh, it's kind of red, huh? Holy cow, like a reddish dark. So here's what it says on the can about unchecked hedonism. Um, <laughs> do you sometimes think that this little project we're doing is a form of unchecked hedonism? I mean, all we do is listen to good music and drink beer. <laughs> yeah, if there was a god, he'd be really mad at us. Uh-oh. This is Pops on Hops, where, where no, no one, one is safe. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> the sticky toffee pudding-inspired liquid indulgence was irresponsibly infused with the tantalizing flavors of dates and English toffee, sensually accenting the notes of an aromas. Aromas, really? That's for you, not for me. Naturally found in a traditional Belgian-style quad. Check your morality at the door. Hell yeah. And it's 11%. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stay out of crafty bastards, please. Nope. Uh, And it's dark. It smells very chocolatey. What? Save that for other people. Don't tell me. Well, that's fabulous. Whoa. Wow. I'm impressed with how subtly sweet it is. I expected this, honestly, to be kind of a sugar bomb, and it's not. No, it's not. Which I appreciate. Definitely getting chocolate. I want to say I'm getting date. I don't know if I'm being influenced by the can, but there's definitely... I don't know. It's the color of A fruity sweetness, but it's not a red fruit. It's not a berry. It's definitely not a citrus. So I think date is... I think date's a good... It's probably not right. I think that's a good call. Yeah. All right. Well, while we enjoy this delicious unchecked hedonism, we're going to move on to track seven, where we came from. I must have used up all my wishes yesterday Cause the words were said in anger Still echo in my brain Alone through the darkness in this cave I wanna hear you whisper Hang on every word you say Climb the mountain Swim for sure Take it out, blow it up, and I the memory in between us through the storm and all the dust. Taking out these walls with a cannonball. But don't 
couple things. One is he seems to be struggling with a complex relationship. Oh my God. (laughs) That's heading toward a breakup. (laughs) But again, another take on it. While the themes are similar, they're not samey in the sense that the songs are all structured differently and they handle different parts of these relationships. We're back to the sun and the moon. We're back to that motif that keeps recurring. Another callback to Mm -hmm. that. What I've been saying is grounded in nature makes another appearance in this song. So I like this song a lot, but it's in that middle chunk. It's not my bottom two and it's not my top three. This is my third favorite song on the album. The last one in this one, this two song stretch is just my absolute favorite. My first favorite and then my third favorite back to back. I have always loved this song. I love the structure where it starts off a little softer and then it builds to that anthemic huge chorus. And he does the same thing as we talked about in Gone, 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 where the very last line of the chorus, it's just him singing softly again. It it all cuts out. Comes back around. Before that last line of the chorus. And something about that just really tickles my brain in a really nice way. I've always loved the line, climb the mountain, swim for shore. I don't know why that line has always stuck with me, but it has. I just really love that imagery. That's an interesting line, climb the mountain, swim for sure, overcome obstacles, overcome adversity. But there's a weird kind of twist to that because if you're talking about an album that's grounded in the earth or grounded in nature, that swim for sure thing, you can almost put an evolutionary spin on that. Mm. Climb the mountain is very aspirational, sort of the thing where you go, I'm going to climb this mountain and meet a guru. I'm going to topple this mountain because I can, right? right? Why do we climb Everest? Because we can. Swim for sure has a different connotation to it in that we theoretically emerged from the sea onto the land. This sort of aspirational thing of man is really built on just getting out of the ocean. Yeah. I'm trying to reach for something higher than myself, but that's really rooted in just being an animal that emerged from the ocean. Right. And see, and I was taking it from a different angle, which is in order to climb a mountain, you're pretty much in your peak physical condition and it's aspirational, right? Just like you said, we climb mountains because we can, because we're able to. Swimming for sure, I think holds the connotation of desperation. Like yes. you're, you're in danger of drowning. You won't live unless you swim for sure. So it's not striving for something greater. It's pure survival. But I like what you said about you know, the creatures emerging from the water because one of the very next lines is trying to remember where we came from, right? We all came from these primordial little organisms floating around, right? The exact line is bring it back to how it was before. Right. And remember, the song title is where we came from. Right. Where did people come from? Why are we here is a big part of the underlying theme of the song. And if you think of the whole album Philip Phillips as the man on the moon, right? And he's observing Earth, remembering where he came from. In theory, he came from Earth and now he's on the moon. So it kind of ties back into that whole looking down on the Earth from above. So yeah, I just think this ties in so beautifully to the rest of the themes on the album. Swim for sure. Am I right? I don't know. I have to think about that. How much? 11%. I'm thinking about it. I'm swimming for sure, right? With that, I'm going to move on to track number eight. Track number eight is called Drive Me. I love your moves. I like your style. With them hips, you drive me wild. I'm the puppet to your strings. You keep on moving me in a world you keep on turning, turning for me now. Everything we have is moving down, down. 
So this is the second just purely up-tempo song. And of the two up-tempo songs, they both are metaphors for sex. Yeah. And this also sounds like Dave Matthews. Yeah, it does. I guess the rockier Dave Matthews. Again, that's the only yeah. Dave Matthews I've ever heard. Right, right. <laughs> Since you're not a fan, why would I ever have listened to Dave Matthews? You never fan? heard, trust me, you never heard Dave Matthews in the car. So on this one, the whole metaphor is club dancing. And then you could substitute any of those metaphors out for sex. The whole song through, right? Well, and also driving. The title of the song is Drive Me. There's yeah. plenty of driving metaphors in here. And by the way, there's another one of these. Oh, I didn't highlight it or circle it, but there it is. It's staring at me with all those U's. So I put a hashtag here. Like meaning this is you probably, like it. Yeah, meaning this was, as I was going through and trying to narrow them down. So that puts it in top five. Oh, wow. And that's because of the music uh-huh. more than anything. That's a rockin' song, which again, I wasn't expecting on this album. So I feel like when I picked favorites on this, I kind of chose from various categories of, mm. like I picked one rocker and I picked one that kind of went back and forth, like gone, gone, gone. Did you do that on purpose? I feel like at the end of it, when I was looking at the songs, I had these two rockers. And I was like, well, the two rockers, I like this one better. Mm. And what's not fair about that is... That tosses this one out as, well, that, now I can't even be number three, right? I picked my rocker. But you could Listen, pick them purely based I, on I, how I much could. you like them. Okay. <laughs> what I'm saying is that I feel like I didn't on this album. I picked intentionally. A, intentionally picked a song that represented a category or a style. Here's my favorite one that rocked. Mm, Here's my favorite one that went back and forth. Whatever. Which is not how we're supposed to do it. Which is not really how I'm supposed to do, do it. it. But, <laughs> but I feel like on this album, I kind of did that. Okay, so you did the wrong thing is what you're saying. Yeah, I admit it. Okay, great. Glad we're all on the same page. I think it's the 11% beer talking. All that is to say I like this song and I had five up there and I picked three and... This could have very easily landed in that mix. Yeah. But once I picked the other song that was stylistically like this, I feel like I short shrifted this one a little bit. This is a squarely middle of the road song for me. For some reason, and I can't exactly pinpoint why, it feels less authentic than Get Up, Get Down. I genuinely don't know why they both have the same kind of hard rocking, sexy feel. I just feel like Get Up, Get Down is more genuine. Like I feel the sexiness in that one. And this one, while I understand that the lyrics are sexy, I just don't feel any sexiness from the song. That's why this one fell lower for me. I mean, is it even in my top half? Maybe not. But it's in that like middle chunk of songs for sure. We're having a similar conversation. I thought this was good enough to maybe land in my top three. Yeah. And then when I looked at the two songs, I thought the other one was stronger. And I toss this one aside. But rather than say, oh, well, this one could be still on the list, I went with a different style of music. That's where I feel like I maybe fudged the rules a little bit. Okay. Well, you've had your confession. Say three Hail Marys to our fathers and... We'll get back to the podcast. Hail Mary, full of grace. <laughs> no, don't actually do it. All right. Going to move on to track nine. And track nine is called Wanted is Love.
you chose for that one. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I work really hard on these clips. I know you do. So this is in my bottom two, but it's not my least favorite. Yeah. And it's because it's a darker tone, kind of minor key. And even the narrator seems to be like a little bit controlling. Not the greatest guy in this song, but it's really a different tone. It's the first time really on the album we had a slow song. We d- discussed about, oh, it could be at the end. It could be this, it could be that. We didn't say that, right. that it was in the bottom. But this one, this was the first time. And now we're nine songs into a 12-song album. So we're doing really well where I went, uh, for me, that's a little bit of a misfire. But I didn't particularly care for this one. This was also in contention for my least favorite and is not my least favorite. I feel like we only have three songs left. And, I know. Uh, we're running really out of time. Chances. Yeah. What raised this above my least favorite were two things. One, once again, we have the anthemic chorus. Although it's in a minor key, it's still a big, powerful sound. And I like that. Secondly, that fiddle makes an appearance again. And every time that fiddle comes around, I really love it. And so that is why this one is not my least favorite. It's why I like the other song less. (laughs) I think the thing between this and what's my least favorite, which I feel like we have a match on, Mm -hmm. is uh, the phrasing bothered me on my least favorite. This is a pretty straightforward vocal performance. There's nothing too off the path on this. When we hear the one that I'm, and I feel like I'm not alone in this sentiment, putting in the bottom, the vocal performance was a little off for me on that. Hmm. That's why I moved that one down. So the fiddle didn't move this one up. It was the vocal performance moved it down. Sure. I just love a fiddle. So here's a great story. I guess I'm learning. (laughs) I go see John Mellencamp in concert. This was somewhat recent, right? It was fairly recently. And the fiddle player was the woman who played on the Lonesome Jubilee. Oh, wow. And Big Daddy. It was a fabulous show. And she was a fabulous fiddle player, just as you would expect. And it That's was so really cool, cool to see her in concert as much as it was to see John Mellencamp because she was such an integral part of those two albums. Mm-hmm. I feel like string instruments are some of the most fun instruments to watch live. I feel like violinists and cellists, they're so animated when they They perform. They can be. They don't have to be. She happens to be. And some of that comes out in the music. You know, a fiddle is a violin. Yeah. And the reason we call one a fiddle and one a violin is the style of music and the way they play it. Anyway, she was fabulous. The show was fabulous. He was fabulous. And by the way, he smoked the entire time. Oh, inside, you have told me this. Inside the Actually, Broward you Center. you might have mentioned it when we recorded that episode. Well, I had a clip where he was playing at Farm Aid and he was smoking on stage. And I thought in, you know, indoor concert venues in Florida, you're probably not allowed to do that. But what a fabulous performance and what a very interesting guy. That was the first time I got to see him. So I was very happy we got down there to see him. All right. We have just three songs left, which means it's time to rate this fabulous unchecked hedonism. In contrast to the last one. See, this is a problem. Go ahead. I like this one less than I did when I had the first sip. I'm very confused. What does it all mean? <laughs> There's no deeper meaning to that. I, I like this one In contrast to the last one. Yeah. I like this the one. The last one. Grew on me over time. I still didn't like it by the end, but the last sip I had was better than the first sip I had. I liked the first sip of this beer better than any sip I'm getting now. And that's because it's sweeter now, probably as it's warmed up and it's verging on too sweet for me. Really? Yeah. I don't see. I don't get that still. But I will tell you that I do think the sweetness you're getting is date. Yes. It's 
identifiably datey. Yeah, now. datey. Yeah, I don't datey. Think that's a word. <laughs> date esque. Tastes of date. <laughs> I don't find it. Tastes of date. But it's not as sweet as if you're sitting and eating a date. I'm going to give this a four. I think this is a fabulous beer. It is strong, but it doesn't taste strong. It's sweet. I don't think oversweet. There's some dark overtones to it. I can't really identify now that it's warmed up a little bit. I definitely get chocolate. Yep, you're right. Chocolate. The toffee is kind of lost on me. Yeah, I'm not getting that. I'm wondering if the sweetness I'm getting is actually booziness that I'm interpreting as sweetness. Does that make sense? Because it is so strong. When you think about the science of how beer is made, right? Like a higher sugar content in the original brew is going to produce a higher ABV because yeast eat the sugar and make the alcohol, right? So I'm wondering if there's a little bit of crossover there, but it's just slightly becoming too sweet for me. I feel like by the time I get to the bottom of this glass, it's definitely going to be too sweet, but the flavors are there. And I really enjoyed it when it was cold. So I'm going to give it a 3.5. Oh, you enjoyed the experience. I did. Overall, yes, I enjoyed the experience. Certainly could not have drank a whole tall boy of it. <laughs> well, I feel like I know which two cans are going on with me. <laughs> well, we haven't even had the last one yet. You're going to have trouble. I'm going to take three cans of this. Okay. I am going to go to the fridge and get our last beer. What should I do? Rinse the glasses? Yes, please. All right. What's next? This is our final beer of the night. Okay. This is the can that solidified for me that I needed to choose this brewery. Because if any of the cans we've had tonight represents this album, I think it's this one. It is a depiction of the Northern Lights. The name of the beer is Polar Naughton's Paradise, which I actually used Google Translate to figure out means the paradise of the polar night. Wow. And if that's not an ethos match for this album and like appreciating all the natural wonders of our planet, I don't know what is. Would you like to read the description from the can? I would be happy to read the description from the can if I can, because it's in some sort of a translucent. <laughs> I'm going to need a light on this. Can you come shine a light on this? All right. Here's what it says. First of all, it's an Imperial Coffee Stout, 10% ABV. Ooh. So you're killing me, Smalls. Inspired by the starkly beautiful polar night in the northern regions of Scandinavia, here during the winter months, the sun never rises above the horizon. This beer is densely dark and incorporates flavors associated with winter, such as light smokiness, subtle rye, spiciness, and of course, coffee. Now, I'm going to call them out. I've lived through a lot of winters. Light smokiness is not a flavor. I associate with winter. What? Subtle rye. Spiciness. Yeah, you drink your... Well, spiciness. Or is it subtle rye spiciness? It's hard to know with this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, is there a comma or not? I can't tell. (laughs) You know, there's a prism happening on this can. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry I picked a can that your delicate elderly eyes can't handle. Yep, thanks. Nice. Speaking of the dark side of the moon. It's like mud. Jet black. Look at that. I believe if I put my finger in that, I wouldn't be able to pull it out. It kind of looks like a Guinness, huh? It has Oh, look, head. it's got a finger of head. That's what I'm saying. Dave Zalatoris. Shout out to Dave <laughs> from the Beer in Front podcast. Mm. Oh, oh, oh. it's got it? that nice coffee smell. Some of us wouldn't know. Smells like the first 20 minutes of work. <laughs>
I wouldn't know what that is either. When you make your first cup of coffee and then you're like, oh boy. I've had that two hours before I even think about my desk. <laughs> mm. Well, that's a good one. Oh, that's good. Ooh. All right. Abigail's back on track. And by the way, it looks like I know which beers I'm taking home with me. I get the subtle spiciness, which by the way, I'm interpreting as spices. So you think there should have been a comma there. You think there's rye and then spices, not rye yeah. spices. Yeah. I don't think rye is spicy, is it? According to the can without the comma, it is. Okay. Well, we're not here to debate the grammar <laughs> of Lupulin <laughs> Brewing Company. All right. Why not? All right. It, it's definitely smoky. No, well, okay. It's either smoky or roasty. Since they said smoky on the can, yeah. smoky is what popped into my head. But roasty, you know, coffee, roasty, roasty. Roasty, yeah. That's where I'm going with that. But it's not like burnt coffee. We've had coffee stouts that taste like burnt coffee. This isn't that. No. No, this is very good flavor. It's very tasty. And it, I taste a little booziness in there. Part of it is that it's an imperial. It's stronger. Yeah. But I don't think, I'm not thinking boozy. We have three songs left, right? 10, yes, 11, and 12? Do. All right. So you sip on your rye, comma, spiciness or your rye spiciness, and I will play track number 10, Can't Go Wrong. Never mind all the times that I just couldn't wait. I can't remember when it all began to change. Watching the grass grow and die from summer to fall. It's funny how a year passes by. song on the album whoa okay that's my favorite it's a great structure it's got that change in gears like we've talked about before but it's just a fabulous song it's about forging ahead as you get older so hey we talk about what not a relationship song (laughs) no it's the first song this is why it's the best song on the album it's the first song that doesn't involve a relationship no it's really about despite aging Still forging ahead. You were talking about how some of the themes of the album are about finding your place in the world. And of course, he had this success dumped on him and trying to wend your way through that. But we talked about earlier how you come to art looking at it from your own personal experience. Is there a song here about that resiliency as you get older resonated with me a lot. And so I thought this was lyrically fabulous. And you can't argue with how powerful that music is. That anthemic shift that we've talked about in some of the other songs that I liked and you liked. And so remember, I tend to lean on songs that I'm familiar with in my top three, sure, if not my favorites. And this was one that I wasn't familiar with. Yeah. And uh, I just thought it was fabulous. And it's a bluegrass tune, really, on what is not ultimately a bluegrass album. Well, he's got banjo and he's got some of those folk instruments in here, which is interesting about the album, which is why I kind of liked it a lot. But this one really reads more as a bluegrass tune. Absolutely. So I agree with you there. 
it musically has a different sound to it than a typical hit that you would hear, yeah. you know, on the radio. And even on this album, I mean, yes, while there are those elements of the instrumentation sprinkled throughout, this is like... It's a different arrangement this of is similar instruments. Different. Yeah. So I think it's really cool that you picked a bluegrass tune as your favorite song on this album. I think that's really fun. I love this song, first of all. My sole beef with it is that, to me, this sounds like a final track. And it's not on this album. And I love the final track as a final yeah, track. Yeah. Oh, we had this conversation. It can't be the final track. It can't. It can't. Because, <laughs> on this album. Because the final track is so good. But every time I hear this song on this album, I'm like ready for the album to be over. And this has happened on numerous albums. We've talked about it before. But when this song plays, I'm like, okay, great. We've come to a close. I feel satisfied. There's a sense of completion. And then we get two more songs, which because this one has that sense of finality about it, seem like afterthoughts. And one of them is my least favorite song on the album. Wait a minute. <laughs> I believe that one of the next two songs is my least Interesting. favorite song. I, and I since we both the established that the final song is the final song of the album, it has to be yeah. that we are going to match our least favorite yeah, song. Yeah, I would guess that as well. And part of that's placement. A hundred percent. Part of the reason I don't like the next song is it's placed between this and the final and song. And another beautiful, upbeat, final, closing sounding track. Right. It's a bad placement. It's a terrible song. placement. But also, this is a bad placement for this song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, maybe. Because it should be the last song. And I don't know how you resolve that. I don't think you can with the song that is the last song on this album. Yeah. Now, if we were in our alternate universe where Tell Me a Story is the final track. Could it follow this one? I would think yes. As a downshift yeah. to end the album. I think that's fine. But that means you got to cut 11 and 12 off the album. And I don't think you can cut 12. 12 is too no. good. But you can't put 12 immediately after this one. They're too similar tonally. Oh, I disagree. I thought... You could take track 11 and just jettison it. And you could go from what we just heard to... Track 12. Track 12 and call it a day. That's not a hill I'm going to yeah. die on. No, that... <laughs> I'd have to hear it. And it might be better to have those two back to back without track 11. That might make it seem less like the last two songs are afterthoughts. Yeah. Track 11 is like a speed bump. Track 11 is rough. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out, was there somewhere else on the album I could stick that where it wouldn't be a speed bump? Honestly, I don't think it's worth keeping. I don't either. But- I can't wait till he's a guest on the show. <laughs> You tell him that. So Philip Phillips Jr. <laughs> how do you feel about being a junior? The name's so nice. We Are you had talking to use to it me? twice. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. You're talking to me. <laughs> You're a junior. You're too. talking to me. <laughs> so that wraps up track ten. So how about we move on to something I don't think we'll have a lot to say about. Your least favorite and mine. Track eleven. A fool's dance. The staircase can never teach me more. Like life, I climb, I fall just to step once more. You tricked me, fooled me, I was yours. Only to act out a game that I did not know.
Wake up. I saw you falling asleep. Well, I had a long day on the road and four <laughs> nine plus percent ABV beers. And then you spring this song on me. Oh, it's brother. a fool's dance. <laughs> All my notes, I think we've already discussed. I'll just run through them. It's another failing relationship. Bing, bing, bing. Relationship tag. <laughs> it's a dark song with haunting music. Some phrasing issues. Yeah. Can you point out what you're calling a oh phrasing issue? Oh my God. Issue? The last, the whole last. Who am I? Who am I? Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Fine. Listen to that again. Here, I'm going to play it one more time. Oh, please don't. Won't you take it all away and I'll take my to the Lord. The angels may fall, but never close enough to he sounds more dramatic in this one than he does in the other one. Well, all right. So you can say dramatic and you know how I feel about that. Right. But you could say that in a way with a consistent approach yeah. where I understand yeah. what the heck you're saying. But he's kind of up and down above baseline to the point where I don't know where he's going. Yeah. And it's just a little too much for me. Again, it's a dark song. It's a tough spot between yeah. what we just heard, which is my favorite song on the album, and what we're going to talk about is the perfect closer for the album. This can't be here. Yeah. And when it can't be here, I'm already looking at it negatively. Right. And then we've heard him sing amazingly on this album. Right. So this is really weird. Yeah. It, it sounds like he's trying too hard. He's trying hard. too hard. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. And he doesn't need to because he's right. so good on these other things. Yeah. So again, when we have him on here, we're going to ask him, what the hell were you thinking? Question mark, question mark, because this is not- This ain't it, This buddy. ain't it. This ain't home. This ain't gone, gone, gone. Yeah, true. Anyway, that's why I put it in the bottom. Completely agree. Also my least favorite, and you've said it all pretty much. It's not a very enjoyable song. No, and I don't think you need it. I think you Yeah, no, you, you totally don't it. need it. So We would have had one less song to finish this beer, but... Well, if we had 11 songs, we might have only gone with three beers. Yeah, we picked four beers because we're 12 songs. But we didn't know. Well, some of us didn't know going in that they were all going to be double-digit um, ABVs. They weren't all double-digit. Right, half okay, of them stop. Were. What was the average ABV tonight? Nine, Eight, nine, nine, ten, and eleven. So nine point five, right? Eight, nine, ten, eleven, nine point five. Yeah, that's what I said. So under double digits. Oh, our discussion was so much better because it was nine point seven five instead of ten. No, I think our discussion is was better is because better because of the higher ABV. Yeah. Some fans would disagree. <laughs> Who? I have a list. Who is the list of people who <laughs> I got think we think we do better when we're sober? You're listening to the wrong podcast. I hate to break it to you. Yeah. All right. So we finished the drag down of a fool's dance. Yeah. Let's kick it up a notch. So coming out of that gravity sink, let's wrap the album up with this delightful track. Number 12, So Easy. Like a falling from a
first thing I want to say about this song is the clip can't do it justice. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about how powerful this is as a final song on the album. It's just spectacularly written. And the ending of the final verse, the final chorus, I should say, is fabulous. Yeah. What I find really cool about this song. Is it a relationship song? No. Well, maybe. <laughs> I feel like it is. I'm sure it is. <laughs> but what I found interesting about the song was that it's about the simple images over time, the cumulative effect of the simple images over time. You know, it's leaves and it's an hourglass and sand. It's this sort of layering of the little moments in your life and how they build towards a life. Which, when I looked at the album and I thought it was a collection of mostly relationship songs, I thought that was a great way to wrap it up, to kind of summarize what it meant to have a relationship over a long period of time. So it meant a lot to me in that way. And to wrap up the album that way was, I thought, fantastic. We've already said I would have dropped track 11 and gone from 10 to this. And I don't think you would have had that sort of dip in the road that track 11 represented. I think it would have been a stronger album. Yeah. It wraps up for me a really cool album. I thought this was a really fabulous album. I'm glad you turned it in for my homework assignment, and I really enjoyed reviewing it. Good. Yeah, this is definitely in the top half of the album for me. And it comes full circle, right? The little moments that make up a life compared to the enormity of looking down on Earth from the moon. It's kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. And if you listen to the album on repeat, as I often do. What? <laughs> you come right from these little moments, right back into the grandeur of what the first song represents. And it's, it's kind of magical, honestly. And I love the line, you make it so easy to fall so hard because easy and hard are opposites and he's using them in the same sentence and you know they have their different meanings. I just think that's such a quietly clever line. Like it doesn't stand out. Quietly clever is a great way to describe, I think, the writing overall on this album. Yeah. It's simple writing that comes across as complex or vice versa. Right, right. It represents my favorite thing about writing, which is when someone points out something that you have noticed your whole life but never put words to. And so it's quietly clever because it feels right. It doesn't shake your worldview or anything. It's completely recognizable. It's just putting something into words that you never would have thought of before. It's more like comfort food. Yeah, it's more like comfort food. Right. It's like, Very oh, much, that, hit yes. the, that hit the right mark. Yes. It feels correct. I'm really glad you like this album. Yeah, super <laughs> cool album. Super cool album. Yeah, and it's... It means a lot to me, and I still know every word from back in the day. I, I just love putting on this album and singing along to it. You know, it's like a glove that fits perfectly, to use a metaphor that you have said before. So I'm really glad you liked it. So tell me about this last beer we have to write. Oh, let me have another sip of this first. This one has me pondering. Why? I think I'm going to give it a 3.5. It is not too sweet. I sort of predicted earlier that it was going to become too sweet. It's not too sweet. It is on the boozier side. It's an 11%. I sort of did that to myself, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's not really my preference. It's still roasty. It's still coffee. It's very prominently coffee. It's not sweet. It's not dry. It's sort of right in the middle. Perfect balance, I would say, on the sweet dry front. And if it were maybe 3% less ABV, I would like this a lot more. But I'm getting a booziness in it that is not my preference. But overall, I enjoy it. 
So that equates to a 3.5 for me. I agree with you. The coffee is quite prominent now and the roastiness. That balance of sweet versus dry is dead on. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to give it a four. So strong, strong <laughs> performance by Lupulin. How about me for picking them out? You just bad mouthed your own self on that last one. But for you, let's read your ratings today. 4.75. Who? 3.75. Four and four. Had a good night. So I think you're going to take home three cans. Am I? <laughs> Which one am I not And taking? I'm going to keep the one. But the one I want is Sticky Puddles. Okay, you can have it. No, I'm teasing. You can I'll, have it. No, take, I'll take the other ones. Okay. I just need one to drink during the episode. Anyway, good picks. Thank you. Kind of tied into the album. We'll take it. Well, pretty cans, pretty music. Cans are gorgeous. Yeah. All right. I have to give you an hour. What are we reviewing next? I'm making... A big left turn. Okay. I'm going with bluegrass. I'm sorry. I'm going with jazz. Jazz. I'm sorry. I'm going with both. Blue jazz? No, not blue jazz. Oh. I'm going with an album that I discovered in a very random way. I'm not going to share one story about why that is tonight. Okay. It's an album called The Flight of the Cosmic Hippo. <laughs> By the band Bela Fleck and the Flecktones. The Flecktones. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you, hold on. You said Flight of the Cosmic Hippo. Flight of the Cosmic Hippo. Do you know what that makes me think of? I have no idea. Fantasia 2000. Ah, good there was, call. There was a, yeah, I have to dig that up. A hippo ballet. That was, sure. well, wait a minute. That hippo ballet footage is in the original film. So and I've never seen the original Fantasia. I've oh. only seen Fantasia 2000. And several things live in my memory from Fantasia 2000, including the orca whale. That was CGI, I think. Dance in the, mm -hmm. with yeah. the icebergs. Like, that's yeah. fantastic. But the hippo ballet is up there. That's and from the original film. Anyway, I discovered this album in the most obscure and random way. I can't wait to hear I about it. I will share that with you next time. Okay. This is an instrumental. It literally is a merging of bluegrass and jazz. Huh. Interesting. I don't think anybody's done it before. I don't think anybody's done it since. It is a thing, which is why I bought it. Why I love it. Cool. I'm not sure how long the conversation is going to be because it's an instrumental. We've done it one other time, but we had a guest. <laughs> yeah. So We can't talk about lyrics. No, there's no lyrics. It's 10 songs or 11 songs. Oh, wow. And by the way, I have multiple albums by this band. I think I have all three albums by the original quartet. But anyway, Bela Fleck and the Flecktones, The Flight of the Cosmic Hippo. I believe if we've got back on track, you get to pick the beer. Again, twice in a row. How magnificent. Well, do better. How <laughs> Dare you? <laughs> in the meantime, if you need more Pots on Hops content, you can find us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube at Pops on Hops Pod, or you can email us at popsonhopspod at gmail.com. Wherever you're listening to this, there should be a link in the show notes to leave us a voice message if that's something that interests you, or you can visit our website, popsonhopspod.com. That's where we put bonus photos, videos, and other material relevant to each of our bi-weekly episodes. And that is also where you can can submit an album to our virtual jukebox for a chance for your favorite album and even your voice to appear on the pod. And on behalf of Hops and Pops, we'll see you next time. Settle down, it'll all be beer. <laughs>
<laughs> Don't pay no mind as the ABV raises a tear. The Belgians, they might drag you down, but the sours can always be found. Just know you can't be sad when you're drinking with your dad. (laughs) Bye. Short. I'm going to look up. Hold on. The cats are eating. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I've never seen those cats move so fast. Don't even. I'm surprised you didn't run up there to get a oh, little taste. shut up. <laughs> Holy cow. It's just dry food, Abigail. Relax. Come back. We have a beer to finish. Oh, my 